This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Pat Benatar on the stereo. And you know what? So do I. That's why when we're in the Chicago area, we belong at the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. What, you thought I'd go with Love is a Battle Zone? I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, Carrington. Christmas is right around the corner. It is. It's Christmas time. There is snow all over my country. Unless you're, you know, not into Christmas and then it's just happy holidays and some time off work. I like that too. Me too. I, I think that's really the spirit of Christmas these days is just not having to go into work for a few days. I like the family stuff. My family gets together and plays a lot of games. So we're, we're a gamer family. We'll play a lot of board games. And I love it. I, my family and I don't really like each other. So <laughs> your family comes over to my house and we play games. <laughs> it's not really a concern for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I love it. Lots of food, lots of family, lots of game playing, very competitive family. Lots of arcade gameplay. Lots of arcade gameplay, yes. I've been lots of it this week. We got a little tiny bit of feedback first, um, but yeah, we uh, playing a playing a fun game this week. Well, take it away with the feedback. Well, we didn't get too much because we last couple of weeks we've published our, our, our show quite late and we yeah. started pod- podcasting right Sorry after. Sorry about but that, folks. A little bit did sneak in. We got the email from Jessica. Uh, last week we were talking about uh, the sad state of an arcade. It was showing an arcade machine being destroyed. And uh, Jessica wrote in to say, had we seen a link that she gave us on from Atari Age because Atari Age user Roadrunner, way back in November, posted a link to an Atari Asteroids machine being shredded. There's mm-hmm. this company, and it's kind of that Will It Blend, or and this is like Will It Shred, and it's this uh-huh. company that demonstrates how amazing their, their shredding ma- machines, these big shredding trucks are. And this video is them using a, a crane and a, and a claw thing at the end to crunch into a, an Asteroids machine and pick it up and drop it into a shredder and destroy it. Ugh, awful. Makes me sad. I would not use this company. I'm going to hold that against them. So I'll have a link in the in the show notes, but it's very depressing to watch. That seems to be a trend around certain quarters of the internet. Let's blend, burn, microwave, destroy things. So usually I don't really care. It's fun to watch, but every now and then they'll find something that gets to me. I saw, I saw somebody blow up an Apple II recently and I know they, they uh, microwaved uh, an original Macintosh at one point. So. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But then they redeemed themselves by by melting a, a Commodore sixty four, and I felt better. <laughs> we know where we stand. <laughs> and then the only other Facebook we got a little quick note on. on oh, sorry, only other um, feedback we got, which was a quick note on Facebook, was from Victor Marland. He because we've been discussing the last couple episodes, sure. uh, dual joystick games, mm-hmm. and he sent in a couple of others, both by Stern, and he suggested Rescue and Minefield. We All have right. forgotten about both of those, so well done. Well done, Victor. I looked Great. them up, and they are indeed both dual joystick games. And just for kicks, we'll add them to the list of games that we're going to play sometime soon. Yes. And 
uh, I thought it was well-timed because they are both by Stern, and Stern has something to do with this week's game we're discussing. Because this week's game, what is this week's game, Mike? Why, Carrington? It's a game called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Puyan, Puyan? I say Puyan, because it's fun to say poo. <laughs> we'll just call this game poo, although playing it is definitely not a poo experience. No, I never really thought that maybe it's Puyan. How is it Puyan? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep saying Puyan, because Puyan's kind of fun to say. You're just unsophisticated. <laughs> Poo. So it's a 1982 game that, as far as I can tell, was designed by, by Konami, but actually manufactured by Stern Electronics. Right. Yeah, they, they like you said, they designed it and licensed it to Stern. Uh, this was released in 1982, kind of at the height of uh, fever, of the, the arcade fever right before the crash. And it may have been that Konami just had their hands full with their own games and uh, was more than happy to to turn a couple of titles over to somebody else. Sure. Yeah, I guess it can only make so many. And, and I looked it up because it seemed familiar to me that Stern would do this. And uh, it looks like there's a bunch of games, some of which we've already talked about, that were similar Konami-Stern combos. Um, Scramble and Amadar, mm-hmm. uh, but also Berserk and Frenzy and um, Cliffhanger with the Laserdisc game that we talked about. That was right. a similar sort of situation. So it seems like this happened quite a bit. The gameplay in Puyen is very simple. You control Mama Pig and her elevator, and you push up on the joystick to move the move the elevator up and pull down on the joystick to move the elevator down, and you fire at these wolves that are riding balloons up and down the screen to try to get at your little piglets. And the idea is that you fire an arrow and it pops the balloon and the wolf falls to his gory, screaming death. I know, because you wouldn't want to shoot the wolf and just... Kill them quickly. <laughs> oh, no. You got to make sure that they die screaming, falling to the ground. <laughs> now, there are only two rounds. Um, the first one is where the wolves run across the bottom and ride up. And the second round, it's reversed, and they grab these balloons and sink down to the bottom. Exactly. And they can the, the wolves can block your arrows if you don't aim it properly. There's also a, a super arrow, I guess, if you want to call it, that appears at the top or the bottom every now and then. And when you grab that, it sort of fires away in an arc, but it doesn't disappear when it pops the first balloon. It pops every balloon that it goes through. So you can wipe out bunches of them at the same, uh, all in one shot, which sometimes becomes necessary. Uh, The wolves are not without their own attacks. They can throw uh, rocks back at you. If the rock hits Mama Pig, uh, you lose a life. She can lose a life in three different ways, actually. You can get hit by the, the thrown rocks. A a wolf can also get behind her and climb the ladder up and bite her as she rides past. Or if you get enough wolves up to the top or bottom of the tree, uh, they can push a rock down on top of her. Exactly. Uh, and it, I think I could totally be wrong about this. But as far as I can tell, the super arrow is actually a slab of meat. It's supposed <laughs> okay. to be a chunk of meat on a bone. Because at one point in the game, I think it's it mentions meat. And I think that's what it is. Now, hmm. where Mama's getting this meat, I don't know. <laughs> Because there's all these pigs around. uh, It seems kind of weird. Because I guess this is like that era of games where there'd be that little intro and they try to set a backstory. And so what's happened is Momo and her little little pigs are out and the wolves come and they kidnap some of the pigs. So she's attacking the wolves because she's trying to get into the wolf lair to free her little piggies um but i don't know where this meat's coming from but she's got meat that she can shoot it really is kind of confusing but um i like the little cartoon characters and i like the fact that she's shooting these little arrows Mm -hmm. i was really happy that you can shoot two arrows at once it's not just like like a galaxian thing where you shoot one arrow and then you have to wait so you can have two on the screen at once and and because a lot of times the balloons take more than one arrow to pop so um thankfully you can sort of shoot the one and get the next one on its way right away to to get ahead of these these darn wolves 
I really enjoyed the game. I'll go ahead and spoil the spoiler alert. I had you've fun. ruined everything. <laughs> That's right. I had fun with this game. I liked it a lot. Uh, I think it did a very good job of building uh, sort of suspense or anticipation because you can only have two arrows on the screen at one time, and there's it takes a it takes a little bit to travel the distance between Mama Pig and the wolves coming up or down on the other side of the screen. And so, and sometimes when you miss, as the wolves get closer and closer to their destination, it becomes more of a panic to try and pop those balloons. Um, and I, I found that sometimes I would pick up the slab of meat at the wrong time or when I wasn't expecting to, and it would only take out one wolf. And then I'd have four or five coming up right below him that, that I needed it for. So you had to be careful about when you picked it up because you have one joystick and one fire button. And when you hit that fire button, you fire whatever ammunition you have. So it's not like you can choose between what you want to fire and when. What would also get me and what fooled me at first, and I think is an example of good game design, that there's another feature we haven't talked about yet where the, there's like a, a main wolf, a big biggest, baddest wolf, on the level where all the, they're all coming down, he'll be on the top and he'll throw down bits of fruit. And if you shoot the fruit, you get 200 points. And at first I was like, well, why would, why would he give me fruit? Not only is it confusing that I'm shooting them with meat, but I don't understand why he's intentionally giving me points. He's throwing down these little, because it's not coming randomly, it's he's throwing them down. And then as soon as the game picks up a bit and you get beyond the first couple of levels, the fruit might be worth 200 points, but it's always in the freaking way. <laughs> so it makes sense he'd do it because he's throwing it between you and the balloon riding wolves. And so basically it's blocking you. So the fruit actually is a good defensive move on his part. And then I suddenly understood the method to the wolfy madness. And I was very upset about it. <laughs> and that's really all there is to the game. Um... Well, there's some little cartoony bits that I really like. Mm -hmm. Because um, Puyan, uh, which I guess is a word that means like... It's like a Japanese insult. It means kind of dumb pig or something. And you could say, well, that's a Puyan <sighs> thing to do. I guess that's what. But anyway, the Puyan are mama pigs, little piglets. But there's also the, I guess, either the boy piglets or maybe they're her brothers. And they're at the, and her elevator is going up and down because they're actually holding the rope that are, that is lifting her up and down. I like that. And they're the Puyans. So there's the Puyans and the Puyans. <laughs> and it's the Puyans that are helping lift you up and down. And I like that mechanic that it wasn't just her in an elevator. It was all the little pigs getting together to sort of do this and, and lift you up and down. I really like that, that part of the game. As did I. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a game that, that simply repeats a couple of levels over and over with the occasional bonus level, it was surprisingly addictive and it held my attention. I didn't find myself getting bored. I, I liked the, the cute cartoony little graphics. Uh, they were clear enough. You know, we talked about Macho Mass last week where the graphics were kind of muddy and the color scheme was sort of weird. I didn't have that with Puyan this week. No, I think the graphics are, are perfectly adequate. It has that a real feel of a lot of games at the time. Like it seems to have a color scheme and sort of vibrancy that makes it similar to something like kangaroo or my first thought was scramble. I saw this. Mm, I was yeah, like, wow, I swear this is running on a scramble board. And so I wasn't surprised to find out that, um, very similar hardware in scramble. And that was also a Konami slash Stern uh, game because it just, for, the game is nothing at all like scramble, but there was something about the, the monitor and the colors that just made me immediately think of scramble. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, me also as well. <laughs> uh, let's see. Puyan, I'm seeing here, it was, uh, wasn't was a huge hit, but it was popular enough that Data East ugh, licensed it and <laughs> ported it to a bunch of different platforms, including the Atari 2600 and, and the other 8-bit Atari machines, the Nintendo, 
uh, the Famicom, the Color Computer 2, the Commodore 64, the MSX, the Apple II, TRS-80, and a whole host of more recent platforms. It's uh, on the Wii's Virtual Console, but that's only in Japan. It's been released on Konami Arcade Classics for the PlayStation 1, and it looks like you can get it on the Xbox 360 as well. However, it says um, it's, for the Xbox version, all of the music has been removed. I'm not sure what that's about. Oh, that's too bad. I really, yeah. I really like the music. The first music was a the Bear in the Tennis Shoes song. So I, I, I know that song. It's called The Other Day I Met a Bear. The Other Day I Met a Bear. Yes. You're, I'm just repeating it because that's how the song goes. It's like a campfire song. You say uh, it, then I say it, and you say it, then I say it. <laughs> yeah, it says, uh, well, okay, according to Wikipedia, the first song is The Other Day I Met a Bear, also known as The Bear in the Forest or The Bear in Tennis Shoes. There's a traditional American camp song sung as an echo. Exactly. But then everybody says how the second song is um, humoresque, the Dvorak song. And it is not. Ha, ha, I say to that. Uh-huh. I, think, I think people are trying to be fancy. I read it like Arcade History site says, oh, the and most other sites say the same thing. That the, the round one in-game tune is, as a, what does it say here? It's a, is a rendition of humoresque Opus 101 number seven in G-flat major by Antonin Dvorak. You know Lies. what? No, no, it isn't. And that just made you try to sound all fancy. Like, <laughs> and it isn't because it's actually Desecration Rag, which is the Arndt song. Um, I don't know if you know Felix Arndt. He mm-hmm. was like turn of the century, really fun I think piano is uh, sort of like the guy who wrote a lot of music that I see as sort of the, the precursor to um, like almost like ragtime piano. Yes. Uh, he's most famous for a song called Nola, which I, one of my favorite piano pieces and desecration rag is sort of a spoof of humoresque. Like got bits of it in it, but that's the actual song that's in here is it's desecration rag. I know my music. So there, well, it looks like Wikipedia even got that part, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. Most sites I looked at had that wrong. They're all saying it's humoresque. I'm like, uh, no, it's, it's actually like a song that's a joke on humoresque. Yeah, the, the Wikipedia entry says that the song is a part of the Desecration Rag and Operatic Nightmare by Felix Arndt. The portion that mimics the beginning of the Antonin Dvorak's humoresque Opus 101, number seven. Okay. Somebody else knows their music too. After the second stage is cleared a second time, Oh, Susanna can be heard. That one, that one was easier to spot. Yes. I used to date a girl who had the coolest job ever. She was a person who trained opera singers. So she was hired and basically traveled around the world with a huge piano. And then she would coach and train professional opera singers. Oh, I don't know if that'd be that much fun. I hear they have huge egos, some of them. I guess, but she didn't. (laughs) And it was an awesome. I loved it. And so she, she played music and I actually read a lot about music because it was one of those things like, oh, I better not be a music dunce. I better learn if I want to hang on to this cow. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so I, I ended up learning a lot about music in a short time because of that. Uh, there was a board game created by Ideal, which was a toy company that existed for a while in the early 80s that incorporated a pinball style shooting mechanism. Ooh, I want to see that. Oh, I want every, mm. every time we talk about one of these games that's been turned into a board game, I want that darn board game. I, yeah. I, I think that's something I could see me wanting to collect because these things just seem so appealing to me. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, there was a series of extra ops in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker known as the Puyan missions, which involves shooting Fulton surface to air recovery balloons abducted carrying abducted soldiers off into the air. <laughs> that's awesome. Sound effects and music from the original arcade game are used throughout the missions. Fantastic. That's really cool. I like that. The uh, Puyen was designed by Tokuru Fujiwara, who worked at Konami and then went to Capcom and then left on his own to create something called Whoopi Camp and then returned to Capcom in 2005. And 
His Wikipedia lists an enormous amount of games on which he was either the designer, the director, or the producer. This man has been in the game industry for a long time. Very cool. Yes. Well, this is a really good game. This is, I think, well-polished. Mm. I like the characters. You can totally see who's what. I like the music. I like the colors in the game. I thought it was nice and fast-moving. It's got a mechanic that you can immediately understand. The the uh, clipping. No, what what is that called? The, uh, the um, sprite interaction. Collision detection. Collision detection would be a perfect phrase for that. <laughs> um, is is excellent. I uh, like. I I have no complaints about this game. I'm not saying that this is like oh the best game ever. It's my favorite. But there's nothing wrong with this game. Like it's it's a fun game. I found it addictive. I enjoyed playing it. I think it's a real example of like the the arcade industry at the top of its game putting out unique. And uh, and fun playing games where you really get a quarter's worth out of playing them. I really enjoyed this as well. Um, well, I did until just a minute ago. As you were talking, I was not paying attention because I don't really listen to what you have to say. Collision detection. <laughs> so Takuru Fujiwara also created, yes, you guessed it, Ghosts and Goblins. And so I no longer like him or this game. I see, and th- the more I play that game, the more I like it. So I say hooray. <laughs> uh, no, it's it, um, Glitterberry with an I at the end. So Glitter, B-E-R-R-I, has a developer interview with the man, and he talks about his early days at Konami, and when he got hired there, he didn't even realize that it was an arcade game company. Oh. <laughs> um, a lot of fun. He talks about some of his more popular games like uh, Ghosts and Goblins and Rock and Rope and Puyen. So definitely worth checking that out. Nice. Yep. Very cool. Star Trek, the game. A game so challenging, you need this combat control panel to play it. Launch photons, fire your phasers, engage warp speed, blast Klingons and alien saucers on your way to the ultimate enemy, Nomad. Is it the most challenging game in the galaxy? It's inhuman. Star Trek from Sega. Puyen featured two Zilog Z80s for the CPUs and two AY38910s for the sound output, uh, vertical orientation raster graphics uh, monitor, and Carrington, why don't you tell us all about the cabinet? There's one thing about the cabinet that really jumped out, so I'm going to lead into that because there's something really strange about this cabinet, <laughs> but the normal stuff is it's it's uh, it's got light blue sides and a black front. It's your typical angular stern cab like nothing nothing particularly weird about the the shape of it or or anything like that it's got colorful side art although it's only the half height art half height art and i really do prefer the the full side art um control panel like you talked about has the two-way joystick because all you're doing is moving up and down and that's in the middle and there's the buttons on the left and right and similar to a lot of games we've talked about recently the buttons are mirror images so like on the left it goes uh, player one start and then throw and on the right it's throw and then player two start the thing is oh and also it it, it features what, what more and more companies were doing at this time is trying to come up with features that would appeal to the operators both in terms of of ease of repair because you know games were increasingly becoming coming um you know hey it's not working again and that's upsetting me and also hmm. uh uh security so in this case it features what stern was promoting as their works in a drawer design which means like the pcb and all the various bits were in a front accessible drawer that you could pull out and and uh be able to like swap a chip if needed or be able to refer to and also had something that i think this is one of the first i don't think it's the very first but one of the first cabinets that featured what they were calling their over under cash drawer um hmm. which means that the the cash part was divided into 
two parts. So you've got the top bit, which has uh, a keyable door, and that's where your coins and things go in. And that's the actual um, coin uh, slots. But separate from that is a little drawer below that that's separately keyed, and that's the coin box. Because, of course as things would mess up or somebody would come to the game operator and it's just some kid running the arcade at night and, and a customer would say, Hey, this eight by quarter, you want the operator to be able to open up the door and hit the, like hit the little button to add credits to, to refund somebody. But you don't necessarily want that operator to be able to get access to the actual quarters. So these are the sort of features that, that arcades were building into their machines by 81, 82. And this has both of those features. But the weird thing about this, this cabinet I found um, has to do with the art because and it's really the control panel because the side art, like I talked about, half art side art, and it's these cartoon pigs. And the marquee art is also cartoon pigs and the cartoony big bad wolf. And, and, but the control panel on the front of it, on the, on the vertical part that faces you, it's got these little smiling cartoon pigs. But on the button area, it's this big, angry, crazy wolf face with the joystick sticking out of its mouth (laughs) and these arms that jut out to the side of these claws that go over the top of the buttons. It's like a completely different angry feel to it. Um, it, Well, it's still cartoony. It's sort of like this part of the game is really mad at you and the rest (laughs) of it's all cartoony pigs and and kind of fun. So it's a weird mishmash, I think, of, of art design and it really jumped out at me. So that's kind of my favorite part is this very angry control panel with a staring wolf head. Um, Cost wise, it, it it's, it's collectible, but not crazy collectible. I found online the last couple of years, most games seem to sell for four or five, six hundred bucks if they're in decent condition from somebody local. Twice that if you buy it on eBay and uh, the Vintage Arcade Superstore that we talked about a few episodes ago has it for fourteen ninety five at the moment. So what um, a bargain. you definitely want to try to find it locally if you want to buy something <laughs> like this. Yeah, so definitely worth shopping around a little bit. What a bargain from that store, I tell you. Well, it's always the case that you want to find something local if you can. Like if oh, you sure. want to buy a machine, the, honestly, the way to go is not eBay. It's to find a local auction or ideally just somebody listing a machine on Craigslist and you get a buddy with a, you rent a van or have somebody with a pickup and you just go, you and a buddy with some beer and you'll go grab it. You can test it in that person's house. That's always the way you're going to get them the cheapest. Right. I've been shopping around for a, a specific cabinet. Lately, actually, and I've, I've found that, um, you know, just just having the opportunity, like you said, to go test it and play it first um, and then dealing with shipping, not even saving the money of shipping, although, you know, usually shipping something like this is going to be pretty expensive, but you sort of figure that into the cost if you're going to get it uh, from a remote location. Either you're going to have to spend gas and time to go drive and pick it up or you're going to have to pay somebody to create it up and ship it to you and, you know, ship it to you by, by a truck or something like that. Uh, but just the fact that so much can happen to something in in transit and these older games sometimes are fragile and things shake loose and you never know what you're going to get at the other end. So it's always better to try and buy locally if you can. And then you can, like you said, you can, if it's a local auction or a local reseller, you can go there and you can play it. You see right. it's working. You can see the monitors actually coming on. Mm-hmm. Nothing's smoking. The, the buttons are working. The control panel is working. You play a game on it. Definitely the, what I would highly recommend is the, the proper way to buy these things. Yep, indeed. Now, before we move on, I had mentioned a bunch of different platforms that Puyen had been ported to. Uh, and as you had been talking about whatever it was that you were talking about, Carrington, I don't, I don't know. I don't listen. Uh, I found another one called Angry Sheep. This is a game, basically, you, everything is, it's similar. The wolves ride down, hanging from little umbrellas like weird Mary Poppins is. 
um, and you play a mama sheep instead of a, a mama pig. But when I clicked on the link to, to check it out in the App Store, I got a message that says this application is not available in your country. Oh. I, I don't know if this is because of a copyright thing with Stern and, or, or um, a Konami, or if it's because they're worried about the angry sheep, angry birds thing. Well, I just checked on the App Store and it's not available for me. So not available in my country either. So if you're not in one of our countries, you should check it out and tell us what it's like. In your country. That's right. <laughs> tell us about your country. <laughs> well, you can tell us about your country too. I'd be happy to sit there and listen. And all right, Carrington, I think that brings us to that time of the week. And I'm pretty confident. I normally would be very confident because <laughs> I think I did well this week. But since you have beat me week after week lately, <laughs> I don't feel that confident. I can tell you that according to my screenshot, oh, and here's one thing we didn't mention about the game, which is perfect time to bring it up. You not only get a high score, it tells you how long your game was. So I like that. Like you get to say you played for this many minutes. And so uh, looking at the screenshot, my high score came and a game that was eight minutes on the nose, eight minutes and zero seconds. I was uh, just at the end of round four, <laughs> so not that far in. And my score was 70,950. Fifty, so just a little under seventy-one thousand. Okay. Okay. Oh. Well, well, my streak is 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 going to continue this week. I'm happy to announce that to everyone, especially you, Carrington. You suck. <laughs> uh, my my best game was twenty-six minutes and thirteen seconds. Holy cow! And came in at three hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred and ten points. You destroyed me, dude. <laughs> How did you do that good? That's like I, playing for ages. I got really good at Like timing. an eight-minute game, I felt I was really, you know, that's a good quarter worth. If I'm a kid, I walk up to a game, and I can play for eight minutes on a quarter. That's awesome. You suck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's, your score is amazingly higher than mine. And this, I guess, is oh. just, just a, I'm, I'm sure Quinn has, has some sort of game category for whatever this thing is. and <laughs> Whatever this category is, I seem to be pretty good at it. It had, to, I, for me anyway, and I had to do with timing the, the arrows and and aiming that arc just right and for whatever reason i i did pretty well because all of my scores tended to be pretty close to that i mean it took me i did play for several hours three or four days this week uh, more than maybe i would play some of the other games that we played but not not excessively so um and you know as i had never played puyen to my to my memory i can't remember ever ever having played this in the arcade uh, I just kind of walked by and went, oh, that's interesting, and went on to something else. Um, and, of course, the early games, I was as terrible as you are, and I just <laughs> got good. <laughs> but I didn't get good enough to to uh, to break the, the world record, and neither did you, fortunately. <laughs> I scrolled um, over. <laughs> yeah, you rolled it over. That's why it's so yeah, high. That's right? what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Mark Kinter of Virginia, the state of Virginia here in the United States, scored a world record 1,609,250 points all the way back on December 16th, 1983. So this is a long-standing Wow, record. yeah. So this, this, this has stood since back in the day. This is yeah. ripe, or rife, rather. <laughs> it's ripe. Ripe for somebody to step in and try to, do, to, to get that. I'm surprised because it, this isn't like a, a small, obscure game. Somebody must have made a run for that. That score, nobody's been able to beat it. That's impressive. Not yet. And I can tell you that as I got up into the higher 200,000 point range, it got really, really frantic. So I don't know what his secret was, but it eluded me. I would like to tell you that when I got up into the 70,000 point range, it was also pretty frantic. <laughs> but you can't. 
<laughs> I can't. It was frantic for me, man. <laughs> oh, that's right. You, you did actually get up to 70,000. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> I have no idea. You destroyed me this week, man. <laughs> I honestly thought I did pretty good. Eight-minute game, man. Eight-minute game. No, that's that's. I think that's a great game, and, and I would I be... I want your pity. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, you suck. <laughs> Uh, no, I yeah. Anytime I can drop a quarter into an arcade, into a into an arcade cabinet and play anything for eight minutes, I'm happy. So it's pretty rare. That's why I thought my score was pretty good because most games, honestly, I'm a I'm a, like a two minute game. <laughs> most games, I'm just not that good at them. You know, I I put in the quarter, I play, I'm done. I move yeah. on. I thought eight well, minutes. That's usually uh, my experience too, and for whatever reason, my reflexes were just in tune with this game. It was in the zone, man. <laughs> That's right. Zone. That's right. Need to. Nice. Well, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, I will do better at next week's game. In fact, I feel it. I'm going to do great next week's game because next week's game might not even be a game. Yeah. Wrap your mind around that, Christmas fans. <laughs> well, we're still going to play you a little audio hint, and, and I'm sure this will confuse. Well, this won't confuse anybody really, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we last year we talked about doing, well, you know, like a a different type show once a month or something. And I think we've done one of them so far where we talked about the, the Nintendo PC 10. Uh, so we're going to do something a little bit different next week. And it sounds like this. Our two players have been practicing up for today's exciting rounds of competition, and they'll be competing against each other for exciting prizes by playing the newest and most exciting video arcade games in the entire world. Players, are you about ready? Have you warmed up enough? I'm ready. How about you? So happy holidays, everybody. We will see you after Christmas, but before the new year. Yes, we will. Yep, absolutely. It's been fantastic podcasting with you, Mike. You too, Carrington. Even though your score is awful. Oh, I, <laughs> By I'm awful, I mean so, too good. so much better than you, and it just feels great to say that again. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, we'll see what happens the next time we have a game to play. <laughs> and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. All of those links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com, and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.